Let us pray. Father God, we come today as empty vessels needing to be filled. We come with our stress. We come with our trials and our temptations. But, oh God, you have promised that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, I'm asking you at this very moment to empty me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, as I'm preaching and teaching, I'm listening to that still, small voice. That whatever I say will be done and be said to your name's honor and glory. This we pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Today I'm going to take the next few minutes to try and speak to you from the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentation. You see, during the past couple of weeks I've been going over the book of Lamentation. And so after I spoke to Pastor Wasu, I decided that I would speak from the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentation. First, I want to give you a little background about Jeremiah. See, the book of Jeremiah perhaps more vividly than any other book of the Bible, reveals the inner struggles of the prophet of God in confessions of such as those. And you can, turn, you can find it in, in, in uh, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, on through verses 21. The struggles that Jeremiah had when the Lord called him to deliver a message to a nation, a nation that has fallen away from God. And so the Lord called Jeremiah to deliver that message. But somehow Jeremiah was a young lad. He was not sure, but you know, when God calls you, how can you not answer or respond? And so Jeremiah began to come up with excuses. And if we turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, in verse 4 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I have formed you in the womb. Formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I have formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. See, what God is trying to tell Jeremiah, before your mommy and your daddy knew each other, I knew who you were. So you have no excuse. I have ordained you to be a prophet. I have ordained you to take a message to a dying world of people who have forsaken God, who have turned away from him. But Jeremiah, in his words, says, Behold, I cannot speak. He said, I'm a youth. Young people, God uses young people. 
not just old folks. He uses young people. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whomever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of the faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. See, Jeremiah tried to hide from God. He tried to run away from God. But God had ordained him to take a message to the people, to Israel, because they have forsaken God's word. They have turned away from worshiping God. And so Jeremiah had a special message. God has given each and every one of us a message. A message to take to a dying world. A message to spread to the Inland Empire. But I ask you this morning, what are you doing? Are you taking that message to a dying world? And so, Jeremiah began to find complaint just as Moses did when he was called to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And God spoke to him also. In verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 8 of Jeremiah chapter 1 says, Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. You know, too many times when we are called to speak to someone, uh, we are afraid. But if we have God with us, who can be against us? See, Jeremiah have seen the nakedness of Israel. They have fallen away from God's laws and precepts. Israel have decided to worship the false god. And so God called Jeremiah to proclaim a message to the children of Israel and to the kings. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 8. And it says, I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Chapter 1 verse 8. It was an extreme humiliation for a woman to be stripped of her clothing in public, she exposes, exposure was reversed for prostitutes. See, Jerusalem was stripped of her nakedness, stripped of her clothes, because she had fallen away from God. And so God gave Jeremiah a, a message to give to the people of Israel. And if we look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11, we start from verse 10. See, I have it this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? See, Jeremiah had a vision. The Lord appeared to him in a vision. And after he appeared to him in a vision, he said, Jeremiah, what do you see? The Lord gave him two visions. I want to take a few minutes to talk about those two visions. Because those visions predict the fall of Jerusalem. Chapter 1 
Verse 12, he responds, And I see a branch of an almond tree. Too many times we read scriptures and we just read over it. What does an almond tree represent? Jeremiah could have said, I've seen an olive tree. Or I've seen some other trees, but he said, I've seen an almond tree. What does an almond tree represent? Will be, I'll explain that to you in a minute. And so the Lord appeared to him again in another vision, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying the second time, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a boiling pot, and it is facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. See, God was telling Jeremiah what was going to happen to the children of Israel. Because the children of Israel have forsaken God, they have turned away from God and worship idols. And so God used Jeremiah to proclaim to them what was going to happen if they have not turned back to the true and living God. Let me read for you what the almond tree represents. Let me break this down for you, what the almond tree represents. Verses 11 and 12. God continue his call to Jeremiah with two visions, like I said. The first vision involves an almond tree. The almond tree which blossom when there's no other trees, when the other trees are still dormant. See, no other trees would blossom during that time of the year. Only, and it goes on, the almond tree which blossom when other trees are still dormant. The almond trees serve as a harbinger of spring. And I looked up the word harbinger to see what it means. It says a person, an event, or thing that announces the approach of another, a forerunner. So the almond tree represents the springtime was coming. Just as God wanted the children of Israel to know that destruction was coming and they should turn back to the true God. But they still forsake the word of God. And then in the second vision... A boiling pot. What does the boiling pot represent? The boiling pot was pointed southward. What does that mean? Southward towards Jerusalem. The boiling pot that was lift filtered, tilted towards the south is dedicating the direction in which the pot contents would attack. Did you get that? The boiling pot that was pointed south 
Let me go back and read it slowly for you. The boiling pot that was tilted towards the south in, the, in dedicating the direction in which the pot's contents would be spilled. The calamity suggested by this vision was that an enemy would attack Judah and Jerusalem from the north. But then you ask yourself, how could Jerusalem be attacked from the north? Babylon was on the east. So how could they be attacked by Babylon from the north? You see, in order to get to Jerusalem from Babylon, you have to go around the desert and come down from the north to get into Jerusalem. So that was the vision that God was giving Jeremiah, that, that there would be attack from the north and the gates would be torn down. I don't know if I was Jeremiah with all the visions that he has seen and given to the people, yet still they forsake God. Are we doing the same thing today? How many times has God spoken to us and we ignore his message? See, we are spiritual Israel. We are no different. We worship idols. What is your idol? Your car? Your home? Your fine clothes like Brother Fortune? What is your idol? Or maybe it's your Mercedes Benz. But our true God should be the God of heaven and earth. And so, even though the children of Israel learn of God's impending doom upon Jerusalem. Their heart was hardened to worship false gods and idols. And so Jeremiah did his part. He warned them that judgment would come upon Jerusalem. Yet still they did not forsake the idolatrous ways. Poor Jeremiah he did all he can. He did all he could to bring a message to a dying world. Jeremiah went through many difficulties, many trials, yet he did not give up. Jeremiah's fate, some might consider that Jeremiah was a model of faithfulness, while others might think of him as, think of him as an example of failure and futility. Why did they think of Jeremiah in that way? See, after he preached for all those years, he prophesied. And they see all these, most of these prophecies come to pass, and yet still, they did not turn back to the true God. Jeremiah worshipped God, he prophesied for over 40 long years. He did not give in. Yet rulers and people of Judah did not listen to his warning. Are you being warned today? Are we accepting God's warning today? I behove you that if you are not, it's time to wake out of your sleep because he that shall come will come. And if you are not ready, he still is going to come. 
So I behoove you to put your house in order. We know not at what hour he shall appear. And so Jeremiah continued to, to preach and prophesy. Jeremiah was put in prison. He was cast in a well. And Jeremiah didn't even have, would not even let him get married. See, when I was a young man growing up, I used to say, Lord, don't come before I get married. <laughs> so God, he's not here, not because of my request. But poor Jeremiah did not have the opportunity of having a wife. He did not get married. He was rejected by his friends, by his families, his neighbors, his friends. They all forsook Jeremiah. Even the false prophets forsook Jeremiah. And I know it must have been very hard to be the only one standing up for God. Are you standing up for him wherever you are? in your job, in your community? That's the question we need to answer. Are we standing up for him? And even though much of what Jeremiah prophesied came to pass during his time, the people and the leaders continue to ignore God. Are we ignoring God today? Jeremiah was a light bearer, which is the topic of my sermon. He was a light bearer. Are you a light bearer? I cannot answer that for you. Only you can. Yet through all the hardship and humiliation, he was faced to endure Jeremiah remained obedient and faithful to God. Although at first the questions God called, he questioned God's call. Once he accepted his position, he became a model of perseverance, model and perseverance and devotion. After, after enduring decades of abuse, threats, and outright indefiance, Jeremiah could easily have turned his back away from God and walked away. But then he remembered exactly what the problem, exactly what the problem God had told him. God had warned him to warn the people about the idolatry. Considering his failure, because the people did not respond to his call, in reality his life was a glorious success because Jeremiah remained faithful to God. When we go through trials, when we go through temptation, when we are persecuted, Will we remain faithful to God? Or will we turn and worship false idols? See, Jeremiah has done his part. He has prophesied as God has told him to. Yet still the people of Israel forsake his warning. 
And so finally, Israel was taken into captivity. And so we go over to the book of Lamentation. Lamentation, we find that is where Jeremiah began to weep for God's people. And if you don't know, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He weep for God's people because he has seen the destruction that befall God's people. Jeremiah, broken heart, he cried out to God for his people. And there was one time when God told Jeremiah, quit praying for these people. I'm through with these people. But Jeremiah continued to pray for God's people. Who are you praying for today? What nation are you praying for today? What community are you praying for today? Are you praying for Marino Valley? Are you praying for the city that you live in? But I thank God that even though God brought punishment, God still loved his people. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 it says, For whom he loved, whom the Lord loved, he chastened, and scourges every son whom he receives. So God brings us back to him. Even though he gives us punishment, he brings destruction. God still loves us. His other goal is to save us in his kingdom. He wants us to understand that he's a God of love, but also he's a God of wrath. Lamentation chapter 1. It says, and How lonely sits the city. That city was full of people. How like a widow is she who was great among the nation. Jerusalem sits lonely. People were taken into captivity. And so Jerusalem no longer stands as a model nation. My friends, brothers and sisters, God has called us for a purpose. And if we fail to heed his purpose, he will do the same thing to us. But God is a God of love and mercy and compassion. Even though he, people were taken into slavery, they still had a second chance to come back to God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is long-suffering, but at the same time, he pronounced judgment. We look at Lamentations chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 8, it says, Jerusalem has sinned gravely. Therefore, she has become vile, all who honor her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yes, she sighs and turn away. What does nakedness mean? It means that Jerusalem has fallen 
She's no more longer precious, longer precious in God's sight. Her nakedness is extreme humiliation, like I said before. It's for a prostitute. It's no problem to see a prostitute humiliated. But when you are God's child, you should not be humiliated. But if we disobey God's word, then we'll find ourselves in the same situation. See, God has warned the children of Israel in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, verse 38, 36 through 38, what was going to happen if they forsook his warning. But still, they did not heed. Are we heeding God's command, his warning? Or are we just taking it for granted? We see Haiti. Vast number of souls went down. How many souls knew of God's saving grace? We hear of Chile, another vast earthquake. What is that pointing to? God is soon to come. He is warning the nation of the impending doom that is about to fall just as it did on Jerusalem. Jerusalem slept through all the warnings. Are we sleeping through the warnings, the signs of the time? I beseech you, brethren, that we wake up because it is high time. He is coming soon. In verse 12 of Zephaniah chapter, of uh, Lamentation chapter 1, it says, For above, above he has set fire unto my bones, and it overpowered them. He has spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He has made me desolate and faint all day long. If I may explain that to you. Verse 12, it says that passers-by are asked theoretically to look, listen, and compare Jerusalem's great grief to any other great experience by trials. God's fierce anger is not is put in context on the day that the Lord shall come. Josh, if we turn, look at Joel chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, and Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14, which was our scripture reading this morning. God shall bring every work into, every work into judgment, every word, everything that we do is being recorded in the book of heaven. And so Jeremiah continued, he continued to weep for the children of Israel. Oh, my friends, God is weeping for us today. Are we heeding his warning? You see, we live in a world full of turmoil, a world that is full of sin and everything that you can think of. 
We are no different from Sodom and Gomorrah. But God is calling us people to be light bearers for him in this world of sin. Are you a light bearer? Or are we hiding it under a bushel? Which one are we? Today's world is full of pain and bitterness. So many groups feel deep disappointments. So many problems seem to defy solitudes. A glance of the daily headlines reveals a tide of distrust, dishonor, discord sweeping across the planet. Can Christians be effective in such an environment? Can we be effective? I'm asking the question this morning, this afternoon. Can we be effective? I said, yes, we can be effective. Not unless they recognize the pain and perplexities that abound wherever people encounter the real struggles of everyday existence. See, Jeremiah experienced that. I don't know about you this morning, but I have made up my mind that it's going to be either hell or heaven. We have two choices today. It's hell or heaven. My choice is heaven. I don't know if you watched the news this past week. I'm sure most of us do. My wife usually tells me I watch too much news. But I like to know what is going on. Not only in my community, but around the world. You know, just yesterday morning I was watching, uh, my wife was watching the news and she said, look here, look here. There were three killings in Marino Valley. In Marino Valley. They're still trying to find out who shot those two guys. Two died, one was injured. We're planning a crusade here at Imani. We need everyone who has called themselves child of God to be out to witness, to bring the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to a dying world. But I want to take a few minutes and take you back to a story that hits home very dear to me. I don't know if, like I said, if you watched the news a couple of weeks ago, a 16-year-old girl in Orange County that committed suicide. Let me just give you a snippet of what it says. I took it off the internet just yesterday. She was a 16-year-old uh, softball phenom. A few months ago, her mother and her decided to have a conversation. Her name was Brianna. And they drifted into an uncharacteristic 
uncharacteristic conversation about life and death. And so as the conversation went on, the young girl said she wanted to, her ashes to be sprinkled all over the softball field because that's where she lived. See, Brianna was a high school 4.0 student. She was wanted by all the, high, the colleges to play softball. I don't know how many of you follow softball, but her record for last year was 14 and 4. Her ERA was 0 0.95. I know my nephew is into baseball, so he knows what that means. But for you that does not follow baseball, it means that that's the amount of runs that she gives up in a game throughout the season, 0 0.95. She had a full scholarship to go to Arizona State. Why am I telling you this story this morning? Like I said, this story hit home to me because when it came on the news uh, on the February, my son called me and said, Daddy, did you see that young lady on the news that they claimed that she committed suicide? And I said, yeah, I, I was looking at it. And he said, do you know who she is? I said, no, I don't. And then he began to explain to me who she was or is. See, her dad and I played basketball a couple of times together. He's a good friend of my two sons. We even played touch football together. I never knew he had a 16-year-old daughter. And so when I heard that she committed suicide, it really hit home to me. But let me go on and tell you some more about this young lady. See, no one knows why she committed suicide. The parents, the mother, tried to keep it as a secret. When she was interviewed by the news people, she said, don't show my face, don't show where I live, I have nothing to say. She even warned the school, her softball coach, not to talk to the news media. See, Brianna was a very bright young lady. Socially, forget it. At 16, Brianna has friends for days. This is what the news came off AOL on yesterday. I, I took it down. For days, her laughter, her smile, that everything was about baseball. And the part that touches me most, on February 25th, that's the day she committed suicide. She was in her room and her mother went in and found her unconscious. The Orange County Register reported Rule that Brianna death as suicide by ligature hanging. Young people, God is calling you. You know, many times you say it's peer pressure, but God is more important than peer pressure. 
See, what can they give you? Can they give you eternal life? No, they can't. I'll read you one more paragraph from this story. It's a very lengthy story. You see, Brianna had made up her mind that she was going to take her life. How did I know that? This is what her friend said. It was just a terrible shock, said Kelly, about, about Brianna Matthews. Who on the day of her suicide reportedly, reportedly gave her athletic bag to a team and told her that she likely would not need it no more. I don't know if she knew about God or how much she knew of him. But brethren, there are folks in your community, in my community, who needs to know about God. What are we doing? Are we just watching them go by every day and say not a word? The Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. It didn't say come and sit. It's go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. What is Imani doing? Be mighty quiet. I'm talking to myself too. See, we come here every Sabbath, week after week, and we sing and we pray and we clap hands and we say happy Sabbath. And then we leave and we go home. What do we do? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We come back Sabbath again. Happy Sabbath. How are you? Have you witnessed to anyone? Have you weeped? Over any nation, over your city, a loved one, a friend, or are we just happily going along each day, just living and believing that what we do is all right. I say it's not all right. Jeremiah was a model for how to make sober and realistic appraisal of a human needs. As he witnessed the devastation left in Jerusalem after the aftermath, he reflected on the darkness and the despair that covered the city. You see, when we sit and we think about our problems, we get more depressed. And so Jeremiah realized that sitting here and thinking about what happened to Jerusalem was making him more depressed. And so he had to get up and serve God 
Because God is our only hope. He recognized that was the only hope that remained for his people. Hope in God's mercy, compassion, his faithfulness, and his goodness. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, if you turn with me right quickly. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. We're about to bring this to an end. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. I'm sure most of us know that text, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bush, a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in their home. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Where is your light shining? Is it shining so others can see? Or do you hide it under a basket? See, God could bring angels. He can perform miracles to this world or in this world. Even though sometimes he do, but God has called us for a special purpose. God has called us to go and make disciples. And so he uses Jeremiah to pronounce, to warn the children of Israel what was about to come. God intends to let the world know that there is hope beyond the problems and, and confusion of this world. He says, new every morning is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah, Lamentations chapter 1 verse 22. Though the Lord's mercy, through the Lord's mercy we are consumed because his compassion fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Is God renewed in your life? Have you taken a stand that comes what may? You will follow his command. My friends, he is coming soon. He is coming soon. Are you ready? The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? Are you going to let him in today? Is there something between you and God? Is it your home? What is it? Listen to the words of